0: It's time for Herd Mentality, the weekly episode where you control the discussion today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Well, folks, we're going to do herd mentality for this episode. Our next conversation will be the All-22 review, where I'm really going to break down that Bills-Patriots game, particularly the passing offense for the Buffalo Bills and see what see what we can uncover there with all the issues that it's having. But I want to do herd mentality first uh just so that I have plenty of time to do the all 22 review. I got the tape a little bit later than I wanted to on Monday and you know, it's just all about timing. And so I want to get this episode out then we'll focus on the all 22 review. Then we'll focus on the Miami Dolphins. And so today will be herd mentality. Got a lot of great stuff to get into, but before we do, I would like to talk about the playoff scenarios for the Buffalo Bills. The Bills can be the two seed in the AFC, they could be the six or the seven seed in the AFC, or they could not make the playoffs at all. So let's talk about those scenarios, and we'll first acknowledge that the Bills are playing the Dolphins in week 18, Sunday night football in Miami. The NFL leaves all of the week 18 games unscheduled. That way they can schedule it how they want, based on the implications of the games. And, of course, with what's on the line for Bills-Dolphins, makes a lot of sense for that to be a signature primetime game for the NFL. Uh, And it's actually going to be the last regular season game for the entire league this season. And so that'll be Sunday night football in Miami. So let's talk about the consequences here. If the Bills win that game, if they beat the Miami Dolphins, they are the AFC East champions for the fourth consecutive season, and they are also the number two seed in the AFC. That's what happens. If they win, they're the two seed. If they lose, there's still a chance that they could go to the postseason. They just need some help. So what help do they need? Well, the first piece of help that they could get is on Saturday afternoon, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, Ravens and Steelers play. If the Steelers lose, If the Ravens beat the Steelers, then the Bills clinch a postseason berth. Now, we'll see what the Ravens do in this game. They've already clinched the number one seed. I'm sure you're not going to see Lamar Jackson. So we'll see. And obviously, the Ravens might have some motivation here to not allow the Bills to get into the postseason. And the way that they could do that is by not winning the game. So I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned that Baltimore could have us, the Bills, on their minds and realize that, hey, it's probably best if they're not part of our problem in the postseason and the Steelers wind up winning that game. We'll see. But if the Ravens do beat the Steelers, the Bills clinch a playoff spot. We'll still need to see the result of Bills' Dolphins to know if it's the two, the six, or the seven. But part of the path for the Bills' to lose to Miami and still get to the postseason is the Ravens beating the Steelers. The other piece is on Sunday Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock, Jaguars-Titans. If the Jaguars lose that game and the Titans win, the Bills will clinch a postseason berth regardless of what happens on Sunday night football between the Bills and Dolphins. So there's a chance the Bills could clinch on Saturday. There's a chance that they could clinch on Sunday afternoon and of course there's a chance they could clinch on Sunday night but win and you're the two seed lose and you need either the Steelers to lose to the Ravens or for the Jaguars to lose to the Titans that's what's on the line obviously you'd love to just win the game and be the two seed and not not have to deal with the help component of this but there's Three different things that can happen. They could be the one seed, they could be a six or seven seed, or they could be out of the playoffs. If the Bills lose to the Dolphins, if the Steelers beat the Ravens, if the Jaguars beat the Titans, if all three things happen, the Bills are done. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's uh, get into these outstanding herd mentality items. And the first one is from Suburban Driving who says, I am psyched the Bills are playing the Dolphins at night versus the afternoon. This should alleviate heat issues. Think this helps us. All right, so as we know, the Bills are playing the Dolphins in week 18. And the game is on Sunday night, which means it will be dark. And one of the Dolphins' best advantages is the design of Hard Rock Stadium that puts the visiting team in direct sunlight if you play in the afternoon. This game being played at night certainly takes that piece of it away. And so I, it is helpful. Yeah, it is helpful that the Bills are not having to play at 1 o'clock in the Miami Heat, although, of course, it's lesser in January. But it's even better for the Bills that the game is at night. Now, here's another piece of this. Miami's a very good team at home. The last two seasons, they're 13-3 and three at home under Mike McDaniel. That's one of the best records in the NFL. They have an average margin of victory of 11.7 points in those 13 wins. Now, they do have three losses, and I think it's interesting to point out these three losses. Three losses over the last two seasons at home. One was on December 11th this past year to the Titans. That was actually a Monday night game. One was December 25th to the Green Bay Packers. And one was October 16th, where they did not have Tua Boloa available to the game against the Minnesota Vikings. So the two games that they've lost at home with Tua as their quarterback have been December games. That heat, that stadium design is a big advantage for the Miami Dolphins. And they won't have that. Again, 13-3 at home over the last two years. There are three losses: one without Tua in October against the Vikings. And the other two. December games, December 11th, Monday night football against the Titans, December 25th last year against the Green Bay Packers. So yeah, this is, this is notable. And the other piece that's helpful for Miami being at home outside of the obvious home field advantage is the style of football that they play offensively, which is timing based. It's pre-snap motion based. And when they can be at home and things are more quiet in a more controlled environment, that helps them. The Miami Dolphins have lost four games this year, three on the road, one in Buffalo, of course, last week in Baltimore, and then in Philadelphia. So this is one of those teams that just the way that they're structured, it, it lends itself to being very good at home. And so not only do you want to take advantage of this being a night game in December, but also for the big picture in the playoffs, you don't want the Miami Dolphins to be the two seed because more than likely if the Dolphins are the two seed and they win the game and the Bills somehow get in you're probably going to either play them or you're going to have to go to Arrowhead. So you want to win this game on Sunday night, be the two seed and force force the wild card and divisional round to come to you. And the only reason you would go on the road in the AFC Championship game, assuming it all goes the way you want it to, is if Baltimore wins the divisional round. So yeah, big, big, big deal. Miami's a better team at home. It's helpful that it's at night uh, for sure for the Bills. And it's helpful for Miami that they get their home environment to not have to deal with as much of the crowd component of being on the road. But the Dolphins are a very, very good team at home, 13-3 and three since the start of 2022. All right, we're going to spend a lot of time in the next segment talking about Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, and this Buffalo Bills offense, so be sure to stick with me. But the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still plenty of time to get in on the action over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets win or lose. The app is super easy to use, easy to navigate, and there's uh, so many different ways that you can bet such as the live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new explore tab. You can make a parlay in the parlay hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more so visit fanduel.com locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl all right the next one here comes from john john says every week i hear that the ball is not going to stefan Diggs because he is doubled yet when i watch other games for example the cowboys getting the ball to CeeDee lamb it has worked around well this is not limited to the cowboys but i chose them because They have a bit of a limited other weapons. What am I missing? Are we not being creative enough? CD is great, but does not get, does not separate significantly better than Diggs. Related, it sure looks to me like something is wrong with Steph. His body language is terrible, dropping the ball, not getting it. Am I imagining these things? So let's first of all acknowledge the problem. Stephon Diggs has not been productive for the Buffalo Bills for the last seven games. And he started off unbelievable. Like the dude walked in, every Sunday, had 100 yards and a touchdown. And the last seven games, he has just not been productive at all. Over the last seven games, 30 catches on 56 catchable targets. That's a reception percentage of 53%, which is terrible. That should be pushing 80%. 262 total receiving yards in seven games. 8.7 yards per reception. That's crazy bad. One touchdown, two interceptions when targeted and Josh Allen has a passer rating of 57.3 when throwing the ball to Stephon Diggs. Folks, something's wrong. And I know that folks are speculating about there being an injury. I know that his snap percentages have gone down over the last few weeks, but there is a problem. And surely everybody's aware of it, right? McDermott, Joe Brady, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs are working on it. You'd like to think that 17 to 14 is going to be a big part of Miami game and the playoff run, but it's not going well. And Josh Allen, like, for as much as Stefan Diggs production isn't there, Josh Allen's production's not there either. We've talked about this. And the thing that really bothers me about Josh Allen's production is how his splits stack up when he's not even pressured. Facing no pressure, Josh Allen, over the last four games, when facing no pressure, is dead last in the NFL in completion percentage and passer rating. Now, the silver lining is that the Bills are 4-0. and The Bills are 4-0 and in those games. So for as much as this is a we-go-as-Josh-goes type situation and Josh Allen is the franchise, the Bills right now are winning in spite of Josh Allen's lack of production. This isn't a Josh Allen is asked to do too much. This is Josh Allen's not doing enough. It's a crazy flip of the script of what's normal in Western New York. I think you have a multifaceted mess when it comes to this Bill's passing offense. And we'll certainly get more into it with the All-22 review. But it's Josh Allen decision-making. It's Josh Allen accuracy and mechanics. It's receivers not finishing. It's protection issues. It's a multifaceted mess that is not improving. Like, this has been something we've been acknowledging. For, for for me, it's been seven weeks, or really a lot over the last five, four, five weeks. And it's intensifying. It's not going in the right direction. And we could talk ourselves into injuries, but, like, the reality is it's a slump. And you don't really expect to see this because early in the season, jo- Josh Allen was terrific in terms of on-target throw percentage, like, leading the NFL for the per- first half of the season. Stephon Diggs' production was unbelievable for the first parts of the season. And to get to this point and it to be so drastically different is crazy to me. And there's things along the way. I mean, you had a coordinator switch, and there's certainly been some philosophical differences there. But this production is just not where it needs to be. And you wonder if it's a slump. You wonder if it's a bigger long-term problem. You wonder if it's, you know, Josh Allen going into – kill mode in the off seasons and not spending time throwing to the guys and you know, that's showing up late in the season. I don't, there's, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. They're not executing and it's a multifaceted mess with the problems that exist. Oh, by the way, the bills are four and Oh, they've won five of the last six. Make it make sense folks. Make it make sense. So yeah, it's, it's tough to reconcile. It's frustrating. It's not one thing. Maybe there's some bumps and bruises, but I mean, like, we're not talking significant injuries. That is putting either one of them on the injury report. Josh Allen wasn't on the injury report this week. He certainly will next week, of course, with a shoulder injury. Still waiting for more details on that. I'm recording this before Sean McDermott's press conference. But it's just not good. Not for a star receiver and a star quarterback for it to be now, you know, really a seven-game sample size of what what is going on. Hopefully we get some answers. Hopefully the Miami Dolphins, a team that Josh Allen's had so much success against, is exactly what he needs, to have a great performance, win a game, and give him some momentum going into the the postseason. Brian says, do you think Khalil Shakir has wide receiver two potential, or do you think he fits squarely in the wide receiver three role? Physically, he's about the same size as Diggs and seems to have similar versatility. I think you can do a lot with Kalosha here. I really like the role that he's in right now with Diggs as your number one. Like, like, let's assume that this is not the slump of the Buffalo Bills passing offense. I love the idea of Diggs as your number one. I love the idea of Kincaid as your second most featured player in the passing game. I like what James Cook offers. And then I'd like a, like a real number two receiver, like a legit one. And then also Khalil Shakir. So kind of Shakir plays this hybrid outside, inside role, featured slot player that is part of this pecking order that includes Diggs, a legit number two, Dalton Kincaid, James Cook is kind of that's your primary options in your passing game. Could he be could he be that number two? Maybe so. Maybe so. But I'm looking for a little bit, I, I'm looking for a lot of what Khalil Shakir offers. But I think in that number two receiver, I want a little bit more of a vertical element. I think Shakir's a good route runner. He's versatile, yards after catch. All of that's good. But is he a a tight take-the-top-off-the-defense type threat? He's not. And that's what I'd really love to see in that number two receiver. But I think the bottom line is that more Khalil Shakir would be a good thing, right? That seems to be the one thing. Granted, the volume's not there. But if there's anything that's consistent when it happens for this Bills passing offense, it's Josh Allen throwing the ball to Khalil here. And I would lean into that right now because like we just established, there's not a whole lot else working. Throw the ball to Khalil here. Alex says, wondering if you could talk about your confidence level in Joe Brady. Do you still see things that you like? Do you th- think he needs to install his own offense in the off season in order for the offense to take another step? So I, I started off just really hot, loving everything with Joe Brady And, of course, the last few weeks have made made it tough for me to really cling to that. Um, There's things that I like. I like the use of motion. I like the run game. Uh, I like the energy that the team plays with, that he's running the offense. You can feel that. But, like I said already, the passing game is a multifaceted mess, and I, I don't know how much of it's Joe Brady. I think Joe Brady has fine plays and concepts. I think there's some execution problems. There's protection issues. There's drops. There's Josh Allen the way he's seeing it issues and, and it's always going to be have be this Joe Brady situation is always going to be hard to evaluate under these circumstances where he steps in the middle of the year um, and has to kind of take over the team and, and that's difficult right I think for us to really know Joe Brady you probably want to have the opportunity for him to have an off season to install an offset offense and and build right it's it's not an ideal situation and I think When you consider that, like maybe you you feel a little bit better about what the results have been, and and certainly the team is winning, right? Uh, uh, What's their record with them? Uh, Are they five and one with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator, four and one, something like that? Um, so there's some good things there. Um, I like I like a lot of conceptually of what he does, but right now there's just there's there's problems, and I don't like there's things that I have issues with with Joe Brady. The play action percentage is way down. I want to see more under center. Like for sure, I don't want to. I don't want to see some of this. These perimeter screens are bad; they just don't work. Like there's there's things that I would do differently. But in terms of projecting him long term, I think that's a really challenging question that you have to ask yourself. The question: Well, has Joe Brady really been given a fair opportunity to showcase himself as an offensive coordinator? You know, not only the circumstances, but he's played really good defenses. I mean, it's the Jets, the Steve Spagnuolo with uh, with the Chiefs, the Eagles. Belichick, you know, Dan Quinn with the Cowboys, you faced like a who's who of the top offensive minds in the NFL. Next week you get Vic Fangio. Um, so I think there's a lot that goes into it. Um, there's a lot that I really like about Joe Brady, but it's hard to, to look at these last few weeks and say, yeah, no doubt about it. That's that's the guy. That's the guy. So I think the Bills will have to really ask themselves some hard questions about it and evaluate the rest of the way and, and get to the root cause of why this – Why this passing offense in particular has really, really struggled in so many different ways. All right, we got more to get to, including a fun question on Tyrell Dotson, Trent Sherfield. We got more coming your way, so be sure to stick with me. But, folks, you got to check out Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun, easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. The format is awesome. It's just you against the numbers, it's not you against thousands of other players, including the pros and sharks. It's just you against numbers. Here's what happens. You select two or more players. You pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place your entry. That's it. doesn't take long. Picks can be made in under a minute. And then when you win, the withdrawals are super, super quick. I love all these sports on TV right now. I love them even more when I have a prize picks entry going into a slate of games. And it's not just football. You can do football. Of course, NHL, NBA, you can splice it all together to really make the entry that you love. So go to Prize Picks dot com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. The next one here comes from Chris. Chris says My question is as follows how do you foresee this offseason going for Tyrell Dotson? I think given his role, He has played very well for the Bills, and it seems like every week I read about how he is one of PFF's highest-graded linebackers. On the other hand, I don't see much of an opportunity with the Bills, as I feel Bernard and a healthy Milano will solidify the linebacker spots as starters. Not to mention, I do feel like this coaching staff wants to make something meaningful out of Dorian Williams. What type of market do you foresee for Dotson in the offseason, and do you think the Bills will make an effort to bring him back? Great question here, and uh, Chris asked me a great question a few few weeks ago about uh, A.J. Epinesa. And, you know, these are, these are challenging ones to really consider what the market's going to be and um, what his value is to the Bills and what his value is going to be to the rest of the NFL. Obviously, Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano are going to be your starting linebackers if they're both healthy. And you can certainly look at Dorian Williams as a recent third-round pick and say, you know what, That's probably the guy they'd love to be the third one. But I think you look at Tyrell Dotson and the amount of time that he's been on this team and what he's done with this opportunity this year and feel like if it makes sense, you'd love to have him back. He's only 25 years old. And so that's helpful, right? He's still a young player that can back up both Milano and Bernard. And he's been a good special teams player for you in the past. Now, Pro Football Focus loves Tyrell Dotson, and let me tell you why. It's because Pro Football Focus grades players on what they're asked to do. And Sean McDermott and Bobby Babich have done a phenomenal job of putting Tyrell Dotson in positions to do what he does best, play downhill, in blitz, and cover short zones. And because of that, because he doesn't have this massive responsibility, right? Like we've talked about Milano in the past. We've talked about Tremaine Emmons and like what they are asked to do does not apply to Tyrell Dotson. It's a simplified role. And so that's why you're going to see, wow, he's PFF's number one graded linebacker. Well, he's also not asked to do what Roquan Smith is asked to do or Fred Warner's asked to do, right? There's, it's just different. They grade on what they're asked to do. And he does that job very well. And so I love that. Like if the bills do want to go three linebackers, which they do occasionally, if they want to have that guy that you feel can be that guy that steps in for either Milano or Bernard if they get injured, you'd love to have Tyrell Dotson. And so when I think about what the contract is going to be, because that's what it's going to come down to. Like, yeah, what what you're saying is great, Joe. Milano and Bernard are going to be the starters. If you bring Dotson back, is he really going to have a role? Well, it comes down to the contract, right? Like, for a certain amount of money, you'd, you'd bring him back. I don't think he's going to have a huge huge market out there. If if he does, then go get it. Good for you, dude. Like. If somebody wants to go offer you $5, 6 $7, 8000000 million a season, go get it. But I look at some of these other like veteran contracts out there for linebackers this past offseason, and I can see there being a reasonable path for him to come, to come back. I look at Drew Tranquil uh, with what he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs after a really outstanding season with the Chargers the year before. He signed one-year $3 million to go to Kansas City. Denzel Perryman, one-year $2 million. Devin Bush, one year, three and a half million. Dotson, Dotson signed one year, two million. This season for the Bills, he's twenty five years old. Can you get him back for one year, three million, something like that? Would that be worth it? I think it would be. I, I'd love to get him back for that. And again, it's 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 more of an insurance role. It's a, when you want to go three linebackers. It's special teams, but that feels useful to me. So. It's a complicated situation. Again, if he if someone's going to go offer him 2 years, 10 million dollars or 2 years, 12 million like go get it, man. But if there's not that market out out there for him, he wants to come back in that type of role that I just talked about for like 1 year, 3 million dollars, I'd absolutely do it. I just don't know that the NFL is going to look at Tyrell Dotson and say, "You know what? Man, that's the that's the Mike linebacker for my defense that I got to have. We're going to we're going to get it going with him. He's going to be the quarterback of my defense, right?" I don't know if that's that's how he's perceived out there. So complicated situation. I think you offer him one year $3 million and say, we'd love to have you back for this. And if he wants to test the market, he can test the market. That's what I do. Brett says, what does Trent Sherfield bring to this offense? The guy has done nothing all year. Am I missing something? What does Sherfield bring to this offense? Uh, what's going on here? So, yeah, it's been a disappointing deal for Trent Shurfield. He plays a decent amount of snaps. He just doesn't really make any tangible impact. And, you know, I think we got a little bit hyped up with Shurfield when you saw, you know, kind of the production he had with Miami last year. And then, you know, Diggs wasn't around for a lot of the offseason. And so he's doing all the Dig stuff. And you're hearing Josh Allen rave about him. And, you know, it felt like Dorsey and, and McDermott raved about him. But when it comes to what he's done through 16 games this year, it's been really underwhelming, right? Uh, pretty clear that it's underwhelming. So w- what does he bring? And, and so what I've done here is I've 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 gone to my notes for when the Bills signed Trent Shurfield. These are the exact notes that I had written down for his best traits and the concerns. For his best traits, I have written down hands and body control, ability to adjust his own coverage, uh, versatility, can play inside and outside, physical, uh, blocking, he's very good in terms of being an insert blocker, and dealing with motion, special teams, he's had a big role in special teams throughout his career, and he's super competitive. My concerns, not a great separator against man coverage. Being realistic about his role in production, a lot of his value won't be able to be measured by yards and catches. He's 27 years old, and that means he's unlikely to suddenly be a high-volume receiver. And then I have down that he's a wide receiver five. Has value as a wide receiver five, but a wide receiver five. So it's about expectations and having him in the right place. I think. It's not so much that Trent Shurfield hasn't made a a ton of plays, right? It's not so much that. It's that when he's had those chances to make some plays, he hasn't made them. And I think that's tough to do. And, you know, when you don't get a lot of opportunity and all of a sudden it's a Sunday and a ball's coming your way, you know, it's it's not as familiar to you. So I think he's been disappointing. It was a small contract. I think he's provided some blocking. I think he's been, you know, that fourth receiver, but... I don't think you look at the signing and feel like, yeah, you know what? That was a steal, right? It just, it just hasn't been great. Uh, next one here comes from Mike. Mike says, is Joe Brady throwing all kinds of looks at opposing D's in prep for the playoffs? Is he trying to make it tough for playoff opponents to game plan for? I don't think so. I, the Bills. Here's the deal. like, The Bills haven't even clinched a playoff spot, and there's a path for them to not make the playoffs. I think Joe Brady's doing everything that he can every week to put together the best game plan and call it the best game you can i think he, i think that's what it is you can't you can't bank on all this material uh to be used at a later time when you got to get to that later time so i don't i don't buy that at all i think i think joe brady's every week putting what he can out there in hopes to win that game i just don't think that they're in that position to holster anything right they had to win all these games they had to they had to win 5 of the last 6 they had to win the last 4 to be in position next week to have a chance at the playoffs, so there, there couldn't be any holstering. Uh, that that just wouldn't really work out. All right, folks, there you have it. Really enjoyed this, and I'm looking forward to the All 22 review and our next conversation. I promise you, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, I will spend all day in the tape. Our Discord Locked On uh, Bill Subtext community is gonna see all those clips, so check it out. Join the Locked On Bill Subtext community. I've been talking about it for a long time here. You'll be part of our Discord. You'll be part of our subtext. It's going to be really cool. You get one-on-one text messaging conversations with me. I send out live updates during games. I send out my first reaction to all major Bills news, but you also get into our Discord channel uh, where you can see the all 22 clips where I break them down uh, and really share what I'm seeing. So if you want to join the Lockdown Bill subtext community, there's a link in today's show notes to join. Uh, so check that out and become part of that. And also looking forward to, after that, focusing in on a big Week 18 game with the Miami Dolphins. Of course, we'll talk to Kyle Krabs for our crossover discussion, do the full primer, all the things that we do to get ready for a big, big game on Sunday night. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed. would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.